0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: It's always a great day to talk space and science uh, with Robert Zimmerman. Uh, I read many of his wonderful books. He has a website behind the black and good enough to join us today Uh from his home in arizona i hope you had a great thanksgiving bob
2: oh yes it was beautiful very nice and you know it's
1: uh it's always good it's always good everything yeah good. And, and i i know the weather in the autumn uh in southern arizona is always spectacular but uh <laughs> we were pretty close here in the upper midwest we, we've had a great run of weather
2: i don't know i heard on the weather report while i was waiting something about snow
1: well on tuesday <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, you don't have to worry about that. We may no, see some no, snow on no, Tuesday. No, but... no. <laughs> we don't have snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you escaped that. Growing up on the East Coast, you had you had your fair of uh, winter, yeah. fair share and, uh... of winter over the years. <laughs> uh, let, let's start right at the top with the the latest news on your website, and that is another launch for SpaceX. Uh, Falcon 9 sent a Dragon mm-hmm. capsule. Uh, filled with supplies etc to the international space station and there there's still a ways to go we're we're not even to december and and they continue to launch regularly
2: uh yeah SpaceX right now has done more launches uh, this year than the United, whole United States did last year 54 launch successful launches what was most interesting about this particular launch by SpaceX is that um They used a, this is now news, they used a new first stage for the Falcon 9 rocket to put the Dragon uh, Freighter up in orbit. There's only a third time this year that they've used a, a new first stage. All other 51 other launches this year were done with reused first stages on a regular basis. They basically, as uh, their CEO, Gwen Shotwell, said uh, early this year, we've moved from building rockets to fleet management. Uh, they have a fleet. And of of first stages for their Falcon 9, and they use them and manage them. Uh, Periodically, they have a launch like just earlier this week. They had a a commercial communications launch that was going to have to go to geosynchronous orbit, so it meant that the first stage wouldn't have fuel enough to come back and land. And so they took one of their oldest uh, first stages in the fleet, and they used that and expended it. But that was on its 11th flight, so they had amortized uh, the cost for that first stage, uh, 11 times uh, compared to re- expendable rockets in the past, which would have been new stages 11 times over. And so then they've now replaced it with a new stage, uh, the, today's launch. Uh, it's interesting too, the U.S. in to- total has launched 78 times successfully this year, and last year they only kind of, we, the U.S. entirely did 48 launches, so at the pace it's going with the rest of the year, the us is almost going to come double the number of launches from last year and right now this is a record this is the most launches the us has ever had in a single year since sputnik um and it's over it's coming almost all from private enterprise there's only there's only been one government launch uh in the last uh dozen years and the shuttle retired in 11 and it wasn't until about two weeks ago that NASA finally launched its SLS rocket, the first government launch in more than a decade, the only government launch this year. Private enterprise has pretty much done everything else. We have, so we have a whole phalanx of companies that are in competing and producing, um, uh, putting payloads into orbit right now. So it's it's quite exciting. I mean, we're come, next year, should be a, a. This is a banner year so far, but next year should be pretty spectacular because there are three new uh, rocket companies about to do their first launches in America, and there are three German companies about to do their first launches. There are. Uh, several spaceports opening up in the u k uh, with private companies they're, and India has just begun to have private companies they're trying to transition from a government run system to uh, the cu- customers the government being a customer of private companies so things are quite uh, uh, they 're getting quite exciting right now, and every single one of these companies uh, forces the cost to go down to get payloads into orbit. Which means more creative things get up there, and the more creative things get up there, the more capabilities we have as a as a species to go into space, and the more chances we have of exploring the the greater unknown out there.
1: And, and Bob, back to what what SpaceX has done and what their plan is going forward. You, you talked about fleet management. Is there still a plan to continue to build? Uh, the Falcon 9 and and capsules, or eventually, uh, and I've 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 heard this. You s- you certainly know much more about it. That that ultimately this would be retired, and all the work would be done by what's being built down in Texas, Starship.
2: This is, a, this is actually, a, I've seen a lot of uh, speculation and debate among a lot of people about what SpaceX is going to do. Um, the, the, the Falcon 9 right now is a super-duper reliable rocket that's relatively inexpensive that nobody can undercut in price right now worldwide. Um, so until someone comes along and undercuts it, there are going to be customers that would prefer using a Falcon 9, I think, over Starship, even when Starship is launching. No matter, how, I, I I do not anticipate Starship to be cheaper than the Falcon 9. Even if it was comparable in price, there might be reasons why you wouldn't use the Starship. Uh, and so I could see SpaceX maintaining its Falcon 9 fleet and for fa- for at least at least another five seven years. I could see that very clearly. I mean, for example. Uh, SpaceX has a contract with NASA to use Dragon and Falcon Nine to supply crew and cargo to ISS through the end of that station. That station is supposed NASA wants to keep it going till thirty and so uh, that would mean Falcon Nine and Dragon is going to be flying till uh, till thirty uh, no matter what happens and so as long as they 've got customers they 'll keep it going um, uh, One of the reasons they 're launching so much with it is because starship. Uh, has been delayed because of government interference. The uh, Biden administration wants to uh, stop SpaceX for stupid reasons. It's just insane. But because they've been uh, putting block, block, bureaucratic blocks on it, they've been delayed. And and Musk had said two years ago that he really wanted to get Starship flying so he could launch Starlink satellites in large numbers. He's got to get a lot of up into space into space to get make the system. Uh, usable, operational in as many places as possible, and also to meet his uh, his uh, his requirements for the FCC because he, you have a, a launch you have a license for bandwidth, but that requires you to have a certain number of satellites in orbit by a certain time, and so they've been using the Falcon 9 aggressively to try to get those satellites up into orbit because Starship is not flying. And the result has been they've really got this down to um, clockwork. And it's becoming so reliable that it seems to me that um, it would be foolish to just abandon it when Starship goes. It, let the customers decide what rockets they want to use. They will have an asset here, SpaceX, that I think they'd be foolish to just retire. So I, you can expect to see them having a fleet of uh, of different rockets uh, used by different customers, depending on situations.
1: Quick break. We'll have more. Uh, Robert Zimmerman, my favorite space and science writer, joining us on this Saturday afternoon and this long holiday weekend. And, of course, his website, Behind the Black, we'll get an update on the Orion capsule orbiting the moon. Uh, we'll talk about that mission. Uh, the, the big space launch system, Artemis 1, uh, did finally launch, and we'll get Bob's thoughts on that, and an update on what's going on there in a moment here on News Talk A Three O W Artemis One finally launched from Kennedy Space Center, and now the Orion capsule orbiting the Moon, and will return to Earth. Uh, and joining us is my favorite space and science writer, Robert Zimmerman. Uh, written many wonderful books as a website behind the black uh let, let's get an update on on where this launch uh, and what's going on with the capsule at the moment uh, yeah
2: orion the orion capsules on a uh, multi-week flight uh the rocket sent it on uh a tra- a, a mission uh, around the moon and then back to earth and what they're doing is they're testing to see their communication systems, how the capsule itself functions in, uh, in lunar space, uh, maneuvering. And then on its return to Earth, whether the heat shield will work coming back from those kind of velocities. Because you come back to Earth from the moon at much higher velocities when you hit the atmosphere. And so they're testing all those things. Um, I have to always make a point of um, of clarifying NASA's uh, propaganda <laughs> Uh, Orion is not an interplanetary spaceship. It will not take us to Mars or beyond. It is merely an overpriced and overweight ascent-descent capsule, much like a Dragon uh, manned capsule. It'll take people up, and then it's, with the heat shield, it's a good way. To, it's one way to get back to Earth. Uh, and NASA is going to use it to transport astronauts to and from the Earth, to and from the Moon. Uh, but its main Purpose, if you really look at it closely, is to get back to earth come out of come out of Earth from the ground, and then come back uh, and so they 're testing that and it seems to be working everything seems to be working pretty well. They did have one um, One moment of terror where they lost communications for about 47 minutes, and they say it had to do with a configuration issue on the ground. That's all they basically said, and okay, so that's what happened. What can I, you know, who knows? Um, NASA has been somewhat sanguine about that, and I would think it's not something to be too... Uh, Laxed about this, something that, that's an issue. But anyway, that happened, and uh, so uh, it's it's happened. I will say I fear greatly for the astronauts that they will put on Orion and SLS on the very next flight, because I don't think this rocket is, uh, is ready for prime time yet, and I do not think uh, sending astronauts on Orion to the moon uh, on the next flight makes sense either. Uh, it's going a little too quickly without enough flights. Uh, Apollo did a lot of preliminary flights before they landed on the moon, and NASA's hurrying this, and uh, that's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah,
1: and everything seemed to go well with the launch. There there was concern about the solid rocket boosters and how long they had just been, well, standing around, if you will, and that all seemed to go well. Yes,
2: uh, you know, yeah. now, one thing NASA has always done is it sets very uh, large margins of error. So when it used to say that those solid rocket boosters should only be used, should only have a use by date of one year, they probably had a much larger margin than that, and they decided to take advantage of that this time, and they didn't bother unstacking them and putting up a new one. And that gamble worked. We have to uh, say yes, they got away with it. Um, But I I just don't like getting away with things when you're putting people in space. You should really be trying to do things in a way that uh, nothing will go wrong and you're prepared for nothing to go wrong. And, uh, well, we, we just have to wait and see. I, it is, once again, also, I, I'm not a big fan of SLS for other reasons. It's very expensive. It's very cumbersome. They can only launch once every two years at the fastest. You're never going to be able to settle the solar system with this kind of rocket. Um I'm, I cannot wait till private enterprise starts building big rockets like like SpaceX's Starship in great numbers competitively for a lot of this money. And that'll make SLS the, the uh, the uh, the horse buggy of its day, and it'll go away.
1: Yeah, and Bob, when when you talk about this particular system and this particular strategy, and really it's a capsule to uh, get human beings out of the gravity well into low Earth orbit, and then I'll ultimately take them to the moon and then return to the Earth. Is there another way when you're coming back from the moon? Is there a way, if you have enough fuel to slow down, go into orbit, do it another way? I, I mean, yeah. we all learned from Apollo or watched Apollo 13 where, you know, when they're coming back, they're, they're coming back on a re-entry trajectory yeah. a, at, at great speeds. Is there another way?
2: Well, uh, let's talk about Starship. Starship is another way. Starship is being sure. designed once refueled, they have a contract with NASA, $4 billion contract, to turn Starship into the lunar lander. So the way the Artemis missions to land on the moon are going to work is they're going to use SLS to launch the astronauts. They're going to fly Orion to the lunar gateway station in orbit around the moon. And then Starship's going to show up. It's going to be bigger than the gateway and Orion. They could swallow both. It's going to dock. The astronauts will transfer over to Starship. Starship will land on the moon and then come back to Gateway where they'll get back in Orion and Orion will take them back to Earth. But the simple fact is that if you just simply uh, had a second Starship, Starship could come back to Earth and it's it's being designed to be reusable and to land in a manner variation of the shuttle. It'll come in like a shuttle, but then it'll land vertically instead of on a runway. And um, if you did that, that's another way to come in. And it's a different way, and it's um, in some ways a more controlled way. It's a a variation, it's just a different way. But since it's reusable, and it's got a lot more tonnage capabilities, your your possibilities of things you can accomplish goes way, way up. you know, so anyway, that's, that's how I see it. Uh, we'll have to wait and see if this, this plays out over the next decade. Uh, I do say that NASA is, uh, is uh, running with heavy weights tied to its legs compared to SpaceX on private enterprise.
1: Oh, You had a great post, and you, and you do this a lot, and this is uh, what's going on on Mars. You, you oh. always fun, find wonderful images and, and talk about those images. Uh, the Tiger Stripes.
2: All right, yeah, this is a very cool set of strange worm like dunes in a crater at about 57 degrees north latitude. And um, this is uh, at a latitude where there's going to be lots of near surface ice on Mars. That's pretty much what we're learning. Mars is not a desert. It's, a, it's like Antarctica. It's got a lot of ice, but uh, no, very, no liquid ice. And uh, no ice of any kind near the surface in the equatorial regions below 30 degrees latitude. But once you get above 30 degrees, you begin to find glaciers. You begin to find lots of ice, you begin to find lots of near-surface ice. So these tiger stripes are um, on these dunes are the result of uh, the seasons on Mars. During the winter months, the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere falls as snow, uh, dry ice snow, in, the, in at the polar regions. And it forms a several-foot... Uh, deep mantle of dry dry ice on the surface in the polar regions. And then when spring comes and the sun hits it, the sunlight goes through this clear dry ice and heats the dry ice at the base so that it um, sublimates, but then that gas is trapped and it tries to find a way out and it cracks the mantle, the ice on the surface at the weak points. And when it does that, it spews out dust and that becomes a dark spot. And so that's what produces these tiger stripes. They're there during the uh, uh, spring months when the uh, the mantle of dry ice is beginning to sublimate away into gas, and uh, then over the summer they fade away, and uh, and then the whole process starts all over again. And that's what these stripes are on these dunes. Mars is um, it, we're learning what Mars is like. It is not a desert. It is it's a desert, but it's a it's an ice desert, and that means future uh settlers there will have ample water to access it's just they're going to have to mine it and then uh process it to make it drinkable
1: yeah and and beyond that uh water's a great start for fuel for return trips yes. et cetera. very exciting and i and I, I check back frequently to your website to see these images and and y- your explanation I, I love that part of what you do
2: uh, the, the one thing I have to understand is that right now the cutting edge of planetary exploration is Mars, so I have a lot of Mars images, and it's important because we're really understanding what the planet is like in ways we've never had known before. As other planetary missions go to other places, I will start exploring those as well because I'm, I'm, I want to keep on the cutting edge of what the scientists are learning from this stuff. And I will tell you, I'm the only one doing this journalism. Most space sites don't actually troll through the archives of uh, of the planetary missions to find out what's being done. They just simply wait for press releases. And so you come to behind the black, and you'll actually get to find out <laughs> something besides uh, uh, what, the, uh, uh, what the press releases from NASA say you should be learning about.
1: Well, and uh, you reporting on uh, the SLS uh, program, if you will, and the expense and the cost overruns uh, has been invaluable Over the years. Certainly been an eye opener, Bob. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving to you. Uh, Always good to visit with you, and hopefully we can do it again soon.
2: Anytime, Steve. It's always a pleasure.
1: All right, there he is. Robert Zimmerman, my favorite space and science writer, his website, Behind the Black.